Peter Hill Explains, where I invite you to join the science teaching conversation with me about... Episode 2 of Richard Owen, a Wikipedia reader, reading. So he's the main fellow in Victoria, England, or uh, 19th century England, uh, when they suddenly began going to South Africa, Australia, South America, Darwin, bringing back fossils. He's the first person to get on top, identify a, um, a dinosaur, Iguanodon, uh, uh, these plant-eating large sort of Godzilla-type dinosaurs with their little um, claws, spiny sort of outgrowth from their um, wrist. They're used for cutting down trees, sort of like a set of secateurs, the Iguanodon, the um, um, Labyrinthodonth, the uh, sort of uh, similar to our, um, our elephants today have these complicated teeth which don't form an identifiable tooth but a sort of a large mass, mass of uh, teeth. And uh, he was actually, in fact, trying to say, yes, there was evolution, there are these three or, or um, six candidates for it. None of them is um, special selection um, or what is it, um, survival of the fittest. Um, what is it, natural selection, none of them is that, and also that um, we haven't necessarily evolved from from apes uh, because it's uh, still the hand, there's evolution with the hand of God, so the hand of God is still there, it's still gradualism, evolution, very different from the idea that God made everything. So what will happen, obviously, in your average student's textbooks, they'll give you that... Uh, Reverend Usher, the Bible, very simple story, and then a polarised view, Darwin, and the debate, the polarised debate. So it's really sort of as Huxley fictionalised what a scientist was, he also fictionalised what they were fighting against. Um, and Owen, unfortunately under the pressure, erred and actually stole other people's works at, towards the end. Um, but then Darwin saying, I'm going to hate a person to the end of my life. It's sort of, that is extreme. It's, it's as bad as the other people. Owen's legacy. Owen's detailed memoirs and descriptions require laborious attention to reading on account of their complex terminology and ambiguous modes of expression. In fact, that very little of his terminology has found universal favour causes them more generally neglected than other eyes would be. At the same time, it must be remembered that he was the pioneer in concise anatomical nomenclature, and, so far as at least the vertebrate skeleton was concerned, his terms are based on a carefully reasonable philosophical scheme, which first clearly distinguished between the now familiar phenomena of analogy, analogy, and homology. Homology. So, it's analogous to it. Or it has the same structure. I, I really don't. I wish I knew the difference between those two things. Uh, Owen's theory of the archetype and the homologies of the vertebrate skeleton, subsequently illustrated in his book on the nature of limbs, regarded the vertebrae frame as consisting of a series of fundamentally identical se segments, each modified according to its position and functions. Now, much of it was fantastical and failed when tested by facts of embryology. Owen systematically ignored throughout his work. However, 
And though an imperfect and distorted view of certain great truths, it possessed a distinctive value at the time of conception. So, that's analogous, homologous. Uh, I really wonder what homology means. That is the, the same footprint forward. To the discussion of deeper problems uh, of bibliography philosophy, he made scarcely any direct and definite contributions. His generalities rarely extended beyond strict comparative anatomy, the phenomena of adaptation and function, the facts of geographic and geological distribution. His lecture on virgin reproductions or parthenogenesis, however, published in 1849, contained the essence of germ plasm theory, elaborated by August Wesem, and he made several vague statements concerning the geological succession of genera and species and animals and their possible derivation from one another. He referred especially to changes exhibited uh, by the successive forerunners of the crocodiles and the horses, but never, uh, uh, but it has never become clear how much of the modern doctrines of organic evolution he admitted. He contented himself, he contented himself with uh, the bare remark that would be um, that, quote, the inductive demonstration of nature and the mode of operation of the laws governing life would henceforth be the great aim of philosophical naturalists. So, there is some sort of reason. One, you can see that he's rooted there. It's sort of a bit like Planck, um, seeing a little bit further, sort of looking out the window of his... He's someone who can look up from his era and see a bit further, but he's still very much stuck. So Planck was very much stuck in the um, um, uh, the the classical physics era. He was the first director of the Natural History Museum in London, and his statue in the main hall and uh, there when, until 2009, when it was replaced by a statue of Darwin. Is so sad. A bust of Owen by Albert, Alfred Gilbert uh, is held in the Hatterian Museum, London. Uh, there is a blue plaque in his honour at the Lancaster Royal Grammar School. Oh, far out. poor chap. I feel really, actually, rather saddened by that. A species of Central American lizard. Um, Diplocus Oeni is named in honour of the French herbalist André Michel Donner uh, by these, these people in 19, 1839. Conflict with his peers. Owen, the most distinguished vertebrate zoologist and paleontologist, but the a most deceitful and odious man. Freeman in Charles Darwin, a companion. Owen has been described by some as a malicious, dishonest, hateful individual. He's been described in one bibliography as being a, quote, social experimenter with a penchant for sadism, addicted to controversy and driven by arrogance and jealousy. Deborah Cadbury stated that Owen possessed a almost fan fanatical egotism with a callous delight in savaging his critics. Indeed, an Oxford University professor once described Owen as a damned liar. He lied for God and for malice. Gideon Mitchell claimed it was, quote, a pity a man so talented should be so dastardly, 
dustly and envious. One wonders whether he gets pushed into that and whether that's just the mode of Huxley. Here's a quote. Um, no one no one fact tells so strongly against Owen as that he has never reared one pupil or follower. Owen famously credited himself with George Cuvier with the discovery uh, and George Cuvier with the discovery of Guanadon, completely excluding any credit for the original discovery of the dinosaur Gideon Manton. This was not the first or the last time Owen would falsely claim a discovery as his own. It uh, has also been suggested by some authors, including Bill Bryson, in a short history of nearly everything, that Owen even used his influence in the Royal Society to ensure that many of Mitchell's research papers were never published. Owen was finally dismissed from the Royal Zoological Council for plagiarism. When Mentel suffered an accident that left him permanently crippled, Owen exploited the opportunity by renaming several dinosaurs which had already been named by Mantell, and even having the audacity to claim credit for the discovery of them himself. When Mantell finally died in 1852, an obituary carrying no byline derided Mantell as little more than a mediocre scientist who brought forth few notable contributions. The obituary's authorship was universally attributed to Owen by every geologist. The president of the Geological Society claimed that it bespeaks the lamentable coldness in the heart of the writer. Owen was subsequently denied presidency of the society for his repeated and pointed antagonism towards Gideon Mantel. Even more extraordinary was the way Owen ignored the genuine scientific content of Mantel's work. For example, despite the paucity of finds, Mantel had worked out that some dinosaurs were bipedal, including Gwedadon. This remarkable insight was totally ignored by Owen, whose instructions for the Crystal's Palace models by Waterhouse Hawkins portrayed a grossly overlaid quadruped uh, with misified thumb on its nose. Oh, there you go. Isn't that the most amazing thing? Mantel did not live to witness the discovery in 1878 of articulated skeletons in a Belgian coal mine that showed a granite was mostly bipedal and in that stance could use its thumb for defence. Well, it's not a th it wasn't a thumb, but it was a, a protrudence from its um, wrist. Owen made no comment or retraction. He never did on any errors he made. Moreover, since the earliest known dinosaurs were bipedal, ideas, Mandel's ideas were indeed insightful. Isn't that an amazing, absolutely amazing story? Now, just going through all this. Now, what's happened, I think, is my, my computer had a data error. Look at this. Oh, it's going completely spacko. So, see if it's... His nine. Despite originally starting out on good terms with Darwin, Owen was highly critical of the origin, in large part because Darwin did not refer much to previous scientific theories of evolution that had been proposed by people like Chambers and himself. Instead, he compared the theory to the evolution uh, with the unscientific theory of the Bible. That's probably a legitimate um, view, because therefore it's sort of a bit of a fiction. Another reason for his criticism of the origin 
some historians claim, was own felt upstaged by Darwin and supported such as Huxley, and in his judgment was clouded by jealousy. Owen, in Darwin's opinion, was spiteful, extremely malignant, clever, and the Londoners say he is mad with envy because my book is so talked about. It's painful to be so hated, uh, to be hated in the intense degree which, with which Owen hates me. Owen also resorted to the same substitute he used against Mantel, writing another anonymous article to the Edinburgh Review in 1860. In the article, Owen was critical of Darwin for not offering any new observations, and he praised in the third person upon himself. Oh dear, oh, gosh. Like, it's, sort of, it's sort of like a Dickensian viewpoint. Um, um, while being careful not to associate any particular comment with his own name. Owen did praise, however, the original uh, origins description of Darwin's work on insect behaviour and pigeon breeding, as Huxley, um, uh, as Huxley um, on zoological relations of man and with lower animals, natural history of view. Owen was also partly to party to the threat to the end government funding to a Royal Botanical Gardens Q Botanical Collections. Uh, here's a quote. Uh, there is no doubt that the rivalry resulted between the British Museum there uh, where there was the very important herbarium and department of the botany in Kew. The rivalry at times suddenly became extremely personal, especially between Joseph Hooker and Owen. At root was Owen's feeling that Kew should be subordinate to the British Museum and to Owen and should not be allowed to develop as an independent scientific institution with the advantage of a great botanical garden. It has been suggested by the authors that the portrayal of Owen as a vindictive, treacherous man was fostered and encouraged by his rivals, particularly Darwin, Hawke and Huxley, and may be somewhat uh, un undeserved. In part of his career, he was regarded hardly as one of the great scientific figures of the age. In the second part of his career, his reputation slipped. This is not due solely to his underhanded dealings with his colleagues. It was also due to the serious errors in scientific judgment that were discovered and publicised. A final example of his decision to classify man as a separate subclass of mammalia. In this, Owen had no supporters at all. Also, his unwillingness to come off the fence concerning evolution became increasingly damaging to his reputation as time went on. Owen continued working after his official retirement age of uh, 79, but never recovered the good opinions he garnered in younger days. another story comes to a close. It's been a pleasure sharing this moment in time with you. May you discover truly amazing things, understand them and tell others. Thanks for listening.